The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Valdana Hayek, a crypto reporter for Bloomberg News. In today for Stacey Marie Ishmael. It's Monday, October 24th. Hey, I'm Dusto Wonderad from the Bloomberg Crypto Podcast team. For the last five years, September has been a bad month for crypto prices. But October, the month of ghouls, goblins, and pumpkin spice lattes, has in the past been a more hopeful time for Bitcoin enthusiasts. Crypto advocates have been optimistic that this year will be the same. In this episode, guest host and Bloomberg reporter Vildana Herrick. Bitcoin actually has been less volatile by some measures than stocks have been. Just the moves in the stock market have been crazy, keeping me up. Is joined by Bloomberg reporter Hannah Miller. A lot of the sell-off happened earlier this year as part of why, you know, October could be maybe a decent month for crypto. To better understand the dynamics at play during the not-so-spooky month of October. Oh, you look good. Oh, my gosh. You look you look good. Thank yeah. you. Oh, my God. Stop making me blush. Okay. Right off the bat, I'd love to start with a very bad joke, which is that October is a scary month, right? We have Halloween. We have ghouls and goblins and whatever else. But actually, it tends to be a not-so-scary time for Bitcoin. And I'm hoping that you can lay out for us why that might be. Yeah, well, historically, October has been called Uptober in crypto because we've seen in the past that Bitcoin and Ethereum have actually performed pretty well and have had price increases. I think investors are kind of waiting to see if that'll be the case with this October, despite us being in the middle of a cold crypto winter. I love the meme, Uptober. And I remember writing about it the last couple of years, and I'm so happy that you brought it up. But just to take a big step back. So we've had this really big downdraft this year. Both August and September were very bad months for cryptocurrencies. And I'm hoping you can just lay out the foundation for us for what it is exactly that's been happening in crypto markets that's been pushing prices lower. Yeah, there's been a lot going on this past year. We saw really the market take a sharp downturn in the spring after big players collapsed within the industry. So I'm thinking, you know, disgraced crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital. I'm talking about Celsius and Voyager, which are both crypto lending platforms that have had to file for bankruptcy. And it's really just brought prices down enormously. Oh, and not to mention the whole <laughs> collapse of the Terra ecosystem. Can't and, forget it. You know, oh yeah, can't forget that. 
So really, all of these things have helped tank crypto prices. And then the other big one also being the Fed and everything that's been happening with interest rates and how it's impacting speculative 100%. Is the Fed going to change its rate path because the markets are nervous? Inflation, inflation, inflation. It's fair to say inflation dominated the discussion at the last Fed meeting. The Fed has been raising rates. That is spooking investors when it comes to risky assets like crypto, like stocks. You know, I think we're waiting to see whether more rate raises are on the horizon. Did you mean to make a Halloween joke when you said spooky? I did. Thank you for catching that. So when you're talking to people, because basically our jobs are talking to people, figuring out what's going on with markets, what's going on with the industry. What are they telling you about the potential for crypto prices to recover anytime soon? Yeah, so a lot of the investors I speak with are really, you know, buckling up for the long haul. They do believe this crypto winter is going to be a bit of a long one, but they do believe that prices will eventually come up. These are investors who've poured a lot of money not only into cryptocurrencies and digital assets, but have also backed major startups in the industry. So they're really pinning their hopes on the fact that crypto prices will eventually rise once again. And, you know, these are true believers. These are people who see value and importance in digital currencies and how they can change how we interact with money and, you know, do transactions with each other. So those are some of the narratives that we had been hearing about crypto, where you hear the Bitcoin is an inflation hedge, for instance, or maybe a place to park your money for turbulent times. I remember writing those stories a couple of years ago. And those narratives really haven't been playing out recently, right? Yeah, we. I think we've seen really a decorrelation when it comes to rising inflation and demand for Bitcoin. You know, the comparison of Bitcoin to, you know, digital gold has been so dominant over the past few years. But really, when inflation has become more rampant in the past year or so, that hasn't caused Bitcoin prices to spike. And just to go back to what you were just saying about the sort of hopefulness of the proponents who are really sort of waiting and seeing what prices might do going forward. And they're hoping that things recover to where they were before and, and even above that. But I'm just wondering about, you know, the last couple of years, I remember writing about these huge price targets that people had for Bitcoin, different strategists on Wall Street's also saying it could reach 100000 or $250,000 per coin. And we're not seeing as much of that right now either, right? So what has sentiment been like? Yeah, I think people have had a reality check, you know, that there are still a lot of unresolved issues with crypto. I mean, we can see that with what happened with Terra, Celsius, Voyager, 3AC. There's also just the looming specter of regulation. There's a lot of uncertainty that's happening here. And I think investors are getting more realistic about how this space is growing, but that also means greater regulatory scrutiny and that there are going to be actions taken to rein the space in. We started out talking about October and it potentially being a much better month than the last couple of months. But if we are looking ahead or even through the remainder of the year, is there something that people you speak with are telling you about a potential catalyst for prices to actually start to stabilize and, and rally? 
Yeah, I think more institutional adoption will help things. I think like a big partnership between a major tech or financial company and a major crypto company could help things along. And, you know, we are expecting clearer regulations. And I think once more clarity comes out around that, that'll help things stabilize. You know, people will know what they're dealing with, what companies are going to be dealing with on the horizon. Is that something that we can expect to see more of in the coming months even? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think every day, you know, we see some sort of action by the SEC or the CFTC that gives us a pretty clear idea that they're wanting to take control of the space and, you know, flush out bad actors. And I think some people within the crypto industry welcome that. You know, they see this crypto winter as a clean out that really the truly committed, truly you know, functional platforms are going to stay in and that bad actors or, you know, l- more fragile platforms are just going to be flushed out. Up next, more with Bloomberg reporter Hannah Miller on how Bitcoin prices are faring this October. We'll be right back. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. So speaking of the truly committed, we have a word for that in in crypto. It's hodlers, right? People who are holding on for dear life. But I've been reading a lot of notes recently that basically say these long-term holders or hodlers have been sitting on their coins, potentially waiting for the crypto winter to pass, I suppose, or for things to even get a little bit worse before they they get better. And then at the same time, the retail investor that had been involved over the last couple of years during the pandemic has largely gone missing. And I'm wondering if you can talk about this, this trend of retail leaving the space and how much actually maybe we need the retail investor to be coming back in. Yeah, no, retailers are a bit frightened, you know, of what's happening here. They're you know, pulling out, we saw a really big sell-off in the beginning of the year. So there's hope that things will get better and stabilize. But yeah, no, I do think that this industry needs retail investors in order to get more mainstream adoption and fulfill what many think is, you know, its destiny, which is that crypto is going to be, you know, an incredible form of money, that it's going to give people more financial freedom and that it's going to be an easier way to conduct transactions. But yeah, retail investors, uh, it's a huge question of how they're going to be lured back in. And it's been very interesting. I've been you know, looking at what projects are gaining funding, what are, what's being invested in. And NFT gaming startups are like a huge draw for people, oh, interesting. For, for VC firms. Yeah. They see you know, NFT gaming is a way to kind of bring 
your average consumer back into crypto. Everyone loves virtual gaming. You know, it's a fun, easy thing. It's a clear end product, unlike some complicated decentralized finance platform, the mechanics of which investors might be leery of. It's uh, interesting to see what's still, you know, staying resilient during this time. Can you actually talk a little bit more about that? Because even I can't picture what it looks like. It's a NFT gaming platform. What specifically does that mean? Yeah, so uh, this kind of bleeds into the metaverse, of course. Such a buzzword <laughs> um, over the past year. But yeah, no, like a lot of startups out there are building virtual worlds. Some of them are on blockchain, some of them aren't. Some of them just incorporate blockchain elements like non-fungible tokens. But yeah, these are just like really exciting projects that are happening here. And, you know, there have been other games in the past. I'm thinking of Axie Infinity, you know, which used NFTs. But that was definitely a more decentralized finance focused game, in my opinion. A huge part of it was like making money. I think some of these new games that are being built are more fo focused on a play and earn model. So it's like making money may not be the main objective. It might be part of it. You can do a free to play option. Yeah, people are excited about what these virtual worlds are going to look like and also the advertising opportunities that could be present. You know, if you're in a digital world, you might see digital ads around you. And I think that's part of why investors are still interested in NFT gaming deals. So this is maybe one example of something that might help draw the average investor, the retail investor back into the space. 100%. Do you think that prices need to start recovering first before the average investor steps back in? Or is it that once the retail cohort actually wades back into the space, that that actually will help propel prices higher? The chicken or the egg? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good question. It's a tough question. But yeah, no, I think definitely retail investors need to come back in to help boost prices. And something like, you know, a game or, you know, a new offering from a tech company that uses crypto, things like that, that it's like sort of a blend between a mainstream company and a crypto native company, I think something like that could help uh, lure investors back in. And I do think retail investors are needed to boost prices. We were talking about October and how potentially it can be a solid month or a better month than the last couple that we've had over the summer. And something funny has actually happened in the first half of October for Bitcoin. So typically, Bitcoin and other, other cryptocurrencies tend to be much more volatile they swing just to a greater extent than stocks do, for instance, or many other asset classes. And Bitcoin actually has been less volatile by some measures than stocks have been. Just the moves in the stock market have been crazy, keeping me up late at night. <laughs> but I'm wondering how this can be. Can you explain this to us? Like, what is going on? Is it maybe the case that we just saw so much of the selling already happen in the first half of the year? And potentially, does that mean that the, the end of the year could be a bit better? I think what you said, like that a lot of the sell-off happened earlier this year is part of why, you know, October could be maybe a decent month for crypto. We still see stocks struggling. We still see S&P 500 struggling. We still see tech companies having a difficult time during this month. But 
I do think there's hope that that won't be the case for Bitcoin. Also, fun fact, Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, the creator of Bitcoin, who uses a pseudonym, published the Bitcoin white paper on October 31st, Halloween. 2008 on yeah. Halloween. So I think some diehards within this industry, some of the major hodlers, you know, they they look to October as, as an awesome time and a great anniversary for the world's largest cryptocurrency by market cap. What are you going to be doing to celebrate Bitcoin's birthday? My birthday is actually very close to Bitcoin's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. So, thank you. So, yeah, I think I'm going to be traveling during that time. And throwing a joint a party, trip. I hope. Yeah, yeah, with you Satoshi. We're best friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you. You can find more of Hannah Miller's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com and on Twitter. She's at HGMiller29. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at a very special project from Bloomberg Businessweek, who are publishing an entire issue dedicated to one question. What is crypto? This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Sharon Barrero. Associate producer is Ty Butler. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.